And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premiere podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Episode 208, here we are, recording an hour and 25 minutes later than I should, usually on the day that this is due. We're here. Uh, It's queer month, get used to it. (laughs) How's it going out there? You can't answer. Very good. Okay, <laughs> I took a week off, but I forgot I'd do the show. It's very hot today. I just came back from buying uh, uh, cat food. Uh, as you also can see, if you're watching the video, you can see that there's a, a new lighting setup uh, because I bought, I purchased, still no jump, I, <laughs> I purchased a, uh, a set of lights from uh, Amazon, from the newer store on Amazon. A lot of products from C Plus Comedy's past and uh, from newer. So. But now everything looks super dark. I have my win- my windows, my shades closed uh, just to keep all. Like, again, I'm on the top floor of this apartment. So the heat rises. Oh, like the sun also rises. The heat also rises. And that is the title of the episode. You think anybody will get that? I don't think so. I think anybody remembers that book. In my head, I said movie, it out loud, I said book, so I'm not completely stupid. But the lights are doing well, they're doing their job, uh, they're not terribly hot. Um, yeah, they're LED, they're great. Only the good thing, bad thing, USB plug-in, USB uh, regular type B, I believe. That's what USB is. Yep, <laughs> lots of stuff going on here at C Plus Comedy. So let's get on with the news. Oh, I forgot to start the timer. Jiminy crickets. Ugh. Don't you hate that when you forget to start something? Don't start no stuff. There won't be no stuff. So what's going on? Uh, Last week I saw In the Heights. uh, Not once, but twice times. Once at home, and then I liked it so much, I journeyed to the theater to see it. I saw it in Dolby at the AMC Dolby Atmos, THX, whatever they call it, and um, the Dolby Theater presentation. Uh, I'll tell you, for a Sunday afternoon showing at 4 p.m., seemed to be a lot of people in the theater. Uh, So I chose seats purposely that were uh, me and and a friend that went. A friend and I. Yeah, doesn't matter. Uh, Purposely, like the third row, so you walk in. And then you have to, it's like, it's right there. Uh, but not, obviously not by the door, because uh, I don't want to be bothered by people at the other end. And I, we sat there, and um, it was uh, it was enjoyable, even from that close-up on the screen. And, the, and you could basically only hear the left speaker. <laughs> I truly, I could not tell the difference between watching it at home. Well, actually, no, I could. Because uh, you definitely heard the difference in the songs. And you definitely heard the difference in the, in the sights and sounds. So I'm lying. I definitely did hear the difference. Uh, so much so that I could hear that they auto-tuned Corey Hawks, Hawkins' voice. <laughs> and I don't know if that was the point. Uh, I hope it wasn't. But I, I definitely heard it uh, in the song When the Sun Goes Down. I believe that's what it's called. He sings it with uh, the young woman that plays Nina when she's about to leave for college. That's not. I mean, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, they get back together at the end of the movie. It's a happy, friggin' joyous movie. So I saw that movie. 
uh, and enjoyed it. But I definitely, I definitely 1000% heard the auto tune in his voice. And I urge you, if you have seen the movie, uh, even if you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> go watch it. Go to HBO Max because it's there for the next uh, two or three more weeks. Watch the movie because I'm going to watch it again, of course. Obviously, I love that movie. Uh, I'm not kidding. Definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> um, it's true. It's very true. Uh, watch the movie. And then, or go to the last, you know, fifteen minutes or twenty minutes of the movie. Yeah, I think that's like that's like a false ending. Go like to the last twenty minutes of the movie, and uh, the sun is going down, the sun is setting, uh, in the the heights, in the heights, the sun is setting. (laughs) That's one of the songs. In the heights, the sun is setting, and you can and and Corey's up there with the only one that plays Nina, whose name I will not, I refuse to look up. Check it out and. and you can definitely 100% hear this auto tune. Put in put in headphones or get it like a good set of speakers. But you can definitely hear it. It's like I when I was in the movie there, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, that's very uh, very strange that the that they left that in because it because it warbles. His voice warbles, so he hits low not low note like a mid note upper note, and it's very it's very noticeable. So definitely check that out. Speaking of in the heights, uh, it happened to be my first topic. That was not on purpose. I just, <laughs> you know, I had to do some pre-ramble for the first five minutes of this stupid show. <laughs> in the heights did not do too well at the box office. Now there are some circumstances surrounding that. We are in the middle of a pandemic, uh, or at the tail end of a pandemic. You know, I, you know, I'm gonna say in the middle because no one knows when this is gonna end. Uh, I'm still wearing a mask to the gym. I wore a mask inside this uh, the the shop where I pick up Nova's food. I wear a mask inside of uh, the grocery stores. So, in the middle, and uh, and and we thought we thought when when Warner released uh, Wonder Woman H nineteen, <laughs> Jesus, when one <laughs> I said I wanted to say HBO Max when Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four was released. And I'm noticing that the um, the camera is uh, it's, it's struggling in the low light, the video. Uh, and I can see on I'm using OBS Studio to record this, and I can see that it is the video is like it's it's about half a second behind, and it's because the camera is so old and it's struggling to <laughs> keep up with low light. It obviously has a picture because I can see it pretty decently lit. Uh, but it's still, and uh, and it's it's really struggling. So the video that goes up with this is not going to be good. Can't promise you everything. I'm seven minutes in. I can't start over. So when HBO when HBO Max when Wonder when Wonder Woman 1984 was released on HBO Max, um, it was also released in theaters. And so that was the first day and date movie for streaming just for this year on HBO Max, and it uh, did. well enough it was the best performing movie of i guess of the of the year because it was the only it was one of the only movies that came out in theaters um and so it it's like it did gangbusters which you know in terms of that first uh month and i i will look this up um i it did it did really well let's see can't speak obviously and (laughs) do it it pulled in 166.5 million u.s dollars now i'm going over here to box office mojo which is uh, the legal way to count <laughs> this movie 
But domestically, it raked in $46,534,000. Now, that's not good for a movie of that caliber. But coming off of a pandemic, that's fantastic. Christmas Day, on Friday, it pulled in about uh, $7.5 million. That Saturday, $5.8 million. And Sunday, $3.4 million. Now, I would say a majority of people saw that movie on HBO Max. Uh, obviously with that, with these numbers and obviously with that being the middle of a pandemic. So a lot of these, a lot of people saw it on HBO max and, um, I just moved the mic. If you heard, if you're hearing a sound, the arm, uh, and, and it, I mean, and no one knows how well it did. Same thing for the little things, uh, you know, with, with the streaming number, same thing for the little things, uh, same thing for Godzilla versus Kong, same thing for, Judas and the Black Messiah. These movies, even though they were released in theaters, doesn't mean that they exactly did well on streaming numbers either. Uh, even though we know that Godzilla vs. King Kong is uh, one of the highest grossing movies right now. Because pandemic. So, In the Heights failed when it came out. Failed. Fizzled. Again, this is like the f- maybe 10th s- movie to come out in theaters between uh, January and now. This comes from Rebecca Rubin at Variety. HBO Max isn't to blame after In the Heights fizzles at the box office. So people, the the obvious thing here to blame would be to say, hey, since they put on streaming, people went to watch it on streaming. And that is quite possibly true. But then, you know, you're not factoring in uh, those who went out on the, that weekend and watched it again, like me, uh, those who are waiting to uh, to finish up their vaccine. You know, it's, it's like there's just a bunch of things going on. I can't believe I forgot The Conjuring 3. Anybody want to see what I died? <laughs> Don't forget about Conjuring 3. So we're still the obviously we're still in a rebound. Uh, America is not back, Mr. Biden. So please stop saying that. But this is coming from Jeff Goldstein, who's a domestic distribution for Warner's. He's saying, this is what Warner has also been saying since the since Wonder Woman was uh, the first one announced. Streaming is not going to have little if any effect on box office sales look at godzilla versus king kong look at um i'm sure cruella and uh ray and the last dragon and i'm sure uh, black widow coming out and i'm uh those are going to do just as just as well in the box office uh it doesn't even matter if if if, if they're coming out on disney plus uh premiere access or whatever it's called it's called disney plus premiere i think those are just going to do just as well or, you know, <laughs> decently. Uh, I think Black Widow might be the first Marvel movie not getting a billion-dollar box office. But we'll get to that in one second. This is what uh, Mr. Goldstein said. Our experience, which is backed up which is backed up on In the Heights, is that if the movie hits a high level in theaters, it hits a high level on the service. If it hits a low level in theaters, it's a low level on HBO Max. They're really very comparable. So... You know, if if you uh, if you apply what he said, that theory to the box office performance of In the Heights, that means that it also did not do well on streaming. 
<laughs> that means that it, that it failed. And I gotta say, it's my it was my it it is my most anticipated movie of the year. And you know what? It lived up and well past my expectations. And also, I had no expectations. In the Heights carries a fifty-five million dollar production budget, which means it needs to gross roughly a hundred and ten million dollars at the global box office to cover that cost. Also, the movie was held for a year, so I don't think we can really get those numbers uh, uh, back in the same boat. But that doesn't include the tens of millions of dollars uh, more that uh, Warner Brothers spent on marketing the film, which they did. They marketed like crazy. I'm still getting commercials for it. I'm still. I got yesterday, I was watching something on Peacock, and I got two back-to-back in the Heights commercials for it. That's crazy. Yes, I watch Peacock. <laughs> A lot of SNL up there. In Girls 5 Eva and Rutherford Falls. Uh, I don't subscribe, so I've only seen the first three episodes of both. <laughs> oh, God. Plus, the $55 million figure doesn't factor in the millions of the back end that Warner Brothers paid Miranda and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and director John M. Chu to keep them happy after the studio decided to put the movie concurrently on HBO Max. And so that's another thing that uh, the streaming, when they announced those, the streaming and uh, theater day and date, uh, people, the creators, <laughs> really, the uh, directors and the uh, stars and the producers, they were up in arms in regards to, hey, we t- they typically get points, especially if you're high enough in the, pro- in the production. You typically, if you're a producer, <laughs> excuse me, if you're a producer or you're a star, you, <laughs> no one else gets points. Uh, they typically get basically extra money if the movie hits certain thresholds. And uh, so that's like Denzel Washington for uh, The Little Things. He, you know, maybe was supposed to get, I'm making up a number. I think Gal Gadot, I think this is a good one. I think Gal Gadot was supposed to get $25 million on the back end of that of uh, that movie. Um, or no, they, they just paid her that money because that was roughly what she was going to get. Something like that. It was either her or it was either Denzel. One of them. But they're going to get a lot of money on the back end of, because the movie was supposed to hit certain thresholds. So the movie did well. In the Heights did well critically, and people loved it, uh, with the exception of the people who were complaining that there were no Afro-Latinos, even though that there were. And even if there's not, if, if they don't make up half the cast and they had to cut story and they also had to cut story, they had to cut, they had to cut a lot of stuff. And you, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and say this. I'm going to go ahead and say this. I love that movie. I see nothing wrong with it. I understand. I understand the plight of people. The problem. So here's the, the problem is people say that the movie, uh, there's a, there's a storyline where Betty and Corey Hawkins character uh, was is dating uh, or was dating um, the Nina character, and then the dad of Nina didn't like Benny because he was of a darker complexion than he and Nina, uh, who are of lighter complexion, but they're all Latinos because uh, there's there's stigma between darker Latinos and lighter Latinos and same thing like the stigma of uh, every darker race <laughs> compared to every lighter race. Um, I get that. But if you want that nuance, go watch the play. Uh, the movie's two and a half hours. And, that, and obviously that's, I mean, there's, you know, there's longer movies that deal with uh, bigger, bigger, not bigger, uh, with, you know, kind of the same level stuff. However, we are at a point in history where 
Latinos and Asians and Indians and uh, indigenous peoples and and black people and just uh, just a slew of races. And I and I was talking to somebody about this, uh, where we have this chance to we're get, we're finally getting chances to make great pieces of art, and uh, it's all and and sadly enough, it's getting all mired in the fact that we all have to make. The same thing. Everything that we make has to talk about uh, uh, our identity and our and our uh, and our and our race and everything, and that is just not the point for everything. Rutherford Falls on Peacock has a bunch of American Indians in it, and it is a great comedy. And yes, Ed Helms is the star, but he his co-stars are a bunch of great funny and interesting brown Indian people and it's and it's just such a lovely show uh, and it doesn't and while the culture is there the culture is there same thing for uh, uh, Sneaky Pete there was a season the Amazon show Sneaky Pete there's a season where they were going to uh, con a casino and there were I think there was like a, a three episode story arc where uh, they featured a bunch of Indian actors Um Fresh off the boat uh, is a show that uh, that you know that waited in the race territory, but also the same the, the thing that these all these shows have in common uh, is that and now enter in the heights is that they can make these that those ideas can be on the periphery, but they're still making the same thing their white contemporaries are doing, and that's what we have to remember. Not everything has to be about. This, you know, the dreary topic, sadly enough, the dreary topic of uh, of race and and you got to stand up for the culture and everything. Uh, you know, in in this, in that respect, uh, I I should be. <laughs> this is so stupid because I said that I made this joke earlier this week to somebody, so it's not fresh. So when I tell you this joke, it's not fresh. But people are getting mad that there's no Afro Latinos and uh, or there's a little amount of Afro Latinos in uh, uh, in the Heights. I'm gonna. I should be mad that there's no uh, Black Americans in Black Panther. That's it's the same thing. I I see no fault in comparing that. I should be mad uh, that there's. Uh, I mean, the people should be mad that there's uh, no uh, 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 German Jews inside of a uh, German Jews, Polish Jews, <laughs> uh, Israelis. There should be there's no Israelis in uh, uh, I don't know uh, let me let me think what's a what's a Jewish show uh, I can't think of a Jewish show uh, 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 the Goldbergs <laughs> you know I just look the, the the thing is and I hate to be <laughs> such a <laughs> such a stickler about this but it not everything has to be about race and not everything has to because there I'm gonna I've 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 said this quote so many times. And I don't even listen to the podcast anymore. But there's a show on New York Times called Still Processing, hosted by Jenna Wortham and Wesley Morris. Uh, I stopped listening because uh, one day they did one week they did an episode about Kanye West, and uh, Wesley started crying. Uh, Very true, uh, because uh, Kanye has, you know, and I don't like using this term, mental health issues, and uh, and he was like, I'm just so sad. Kanye, you know, he's losing his mind. So anyway, anyway, but they did um, like an, uh, an Asian Asian focused episode uh, way before it was cool. They, they did an Asian focused episode, and uh, I thought I thought I saw a water spot. If you watch the video, I just looked up 
like four times to see if there was a some type of stain on my wall, but there wasn't. Uh, but they did an Asian focused episode again before it was gone. And they talked about, uh, and they, they just, they just talked to a bunch of Asian people in the media, uh, who were artists, who were, uh, actors and producers and writers and, and everything else that one can be in the <laughs> entertainment industry. And someone, someone said, uh, we can't jump on every, I'm, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but we, he said, we can't jump on everything, uh, because at some point they're going to stop taking us seriously. And by they, they mean the white people. Uh, and yes, that's yes. At some point that is, that is like, if you, if we complain about every, every tiny little thing, like if I say, uh, uh, tickle those ivories on a piano and someone's like, you can't call them ivories. It's a, it's a color. You'd call them piano keys and, uh, you don't gender the piano. You know, you, you can't jump on everything. So it's, uh, we just, we just gotta be smart about this. So what I was saying is, in the heights is fine. Let it go. It's the it's the one. Like, <laughs> is anyone mad? Like, I, I heard I was on I was listening to uh, one show on NPR years and years and years ago. Fresh off the boat was still on the air, and um, and they were in the in this and the the hosts were talking to uh, an Asian person, uh, an Asian critic, uh, an Asian <laughs> sorry. An Asian critic, yeah, the, the the person who was an Asian, and they were a critic, and the critic, and they they brought up fresh off the boat, the uh, the host brought up fresh off the boat, and then the person go, the critic goes, yeah, but you know they're not they're not all Chinese, and I, <laughs> I was just like, but that's the point, they're they're not all Chinese, and all the Chinese characters are played by Koreans, like it's either like it's first it's an inside joke for the for the creators and the crew of uh, of fresh off the boat, but second. They're bringing all these Asian faces to ABC, to ABC, uh, to broadcast television, which d- does not have, <laughs> for for the longest time, did not have people of color. Look at CBS; didn't have people of color. Now it's got the it's got like the darkest shows on on the, on, on broadcast. <laughs> the darkest shows on broadcast. Anyway, I just went on a rant for like fifteen minutes. So don't blame Mystery of Max. In the Heights did well. <laughs> you got Rita Moreno, Rita Moreno coming out defending In the Heights, and then she had to walk back her comments. She she said, "I feel I'm ashamed in myself." No, you you're you're right. You're right. It's we we Latinos. I don't even want to say. It, I don't even want to say just Latinos, Cubans, and uh, and uh, people from Dominican Republic and uh, Puerto Ricans. With their there's a movie. I'm sure I'm missing. I'm sure I'm missing others. Please don't get on me. But there's a movie starring a bunch of a bunch of uh, that that those races of people, and they're singing and they're dancing, and it's a it's good, and it's so good, it's so good. Just watch the movie and enjoy it, and hope and pray that more studios come out and want to make this stuff. Hope that they want to come out and make more uh, uh, Crazy Rich Asians and more In the Heights and more uh, uh, and more and more. <laughs> I was gonna say Lovecraft Count, Lovecraft Country, but ugh, God, that show is. I don't know. I don't know. That show doesn't know what it wants to be. And I said it. Yeah, I said it. Doesn't know what it wants to be. It's as. It's as. It's confusing, like Westworld, except not confusing in a way that I want to find out what happens. 
it's confusing in the way of why did they write this? Why did Misha Green write this? <laughs> she wrote every episode. There's a writer's room. It's nice when it from Todd Spangler uh, over at uh, Variety again. BuzzFeed will pay for user-contributed content this summer for the first time up to $10,000 per post. Now, that doesn't exactly mean that you're going to get $10,000. You get $5. But BuzzFeed is going to allow content submissions. Content submissions. I just didn't want to say that word. Content from the people that know it the most, the readers. I, I, I guarantee the readers know better than the writers, than the freelancers. <laughs> the more the uh, viral, yes, the more the viral, Spangler writes, contributors' articles are, the more they'll get paid. But the page view thresholds they have to hit are pretty steep. So it's unclear how many people actually be able to cash in on the new BuzzFeed program. The BuzzFeed community team is launching the Summer Writers Challenge, which will pay cold hard cash to contributors with the highest performing content over an eight-week period starting Tuesday, June 15th through Sunday, August 15th. The goal, the company said in announcing the program, is to, quote, explore what happens when we combine BuzzFeed's scalability with the tangible rewards from our community's most creative and resourceful users. Now, I'm not a huge fan of BuzzFeed. I think that uh, you talked to me for five minutes about uh, the news industry, and I will definitely tell you, I do not like BuzzFeed. However, they won a Pulitzer. <laughs> they won a Pulitzer like this past, uh, either the Pulitzer or the Nobel. It is a Pulitzer. They won a Pulitzer a couple weeks ago. It's interesting. I'm not going mean, to fall down from that. I'm not going to smack them on the face and say, this is stupid. Uh, I'm going to say congratulations. They won a Pulitzer. for. Uh, I think it was for the George Floyd protests for their... Um, uh, uh, reporting on that. So that's very good for them. And if I'm wrong, it's still good for them. But I, but this is, uh, this is, they, they do make some interesting moves over at Buzzfeed and, uh, you can't, like, like, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Disney, but you know, Disney's everywhere and I gotta, I gotta give it up to them. Not a huge fan of Apple, but Apple's every, Apple's right in front of me. You gotta give it up. They, they know what they're doing. Contributors can earn up to $10,000 for each post, depending on the number of page views each article receives. The payments are based on a sliding scale. For each post that surpasses 150,000 views, contributors who apply for the program will get $150. 500,000 gets 500. Uh, 1 million gets 2,000. And if you reach 4 million, you get 10,000. So that means you got to tell your friends to tweet and retweet and share on Facebook and do all this stuff. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I wrote. When I was uh, still at News Station, I wrote an article. And again, this is like this is a local news station uh, in a number nine market, which they would not let me forget. You better believe I went back there and I asked uh, if I have a job and uh, nobody responded. <laughs> it's very true. It happened like two weeks ago. It's all right. When I win my Emmy and my Oscar, I'm going to get up there and go, you effing jerks. This is a middle finger I'm holding up, but it's my fist because it's a clean show. Uh, when I was when I was there, I was one year I was tasked with writing the uh, top baby names, top baby names. The year had just started. Not a joke. Top baby names of the year. And it was like I think it was like February, or March, top 20 baby names. And so I had to make uh, 40 slides for the girls uh, and boys so 20 each uh different colors and put the names on there and have make sure they're all centered and stuff 
and uh, no writing in the article, just top 20, top 20 baby names uh, for the year. And a couple of weeks later, I tried to pitch something and I was told no. And then I said, well, I mean, well, I mean if we're, gonna, if we're not going <laughs> to, this is so pretentious, but I was like, uh, I mean, this is going to be challenging, you know, the readers and stuff. And it's really interesting and it's a great story. And then, uh, and then the, my manager goes, uh, well, you know, well, Chad, I mean, that baby article you wrote a couple weeks ago, it's, uh, it's got a million and something views. Uh, you should be proud about that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's like, I said, no. Uh, so all I have to say is a million is hard. A million is very hard to reach. And I did a list and I did no words. It was just pictures and a list. And I think I worked on that for about an hour and I, and I got that. And it, oh, he said, it's a million views and it's the highest it's the most read article of the year. And I just like, I don't care. Ugh, so stupid. Now, BuzzFeed community has done this before. They've run uh, sweepstakes and stuff uh, with prizes like gift cards and, and all that and bragging rights. But this is something where you can actually earn uh, money. Now, I, w- I would love to see if this does well enough that uh, if somebody, you know, manages to do like three or four in a row would they be hired to buzzfeed that'd be interesting uh because i would i would definitely say like hey internship or freelance or something but that's a that's very good i wonder how much they pay their freelance because if they're willing to do that now that i mentioned it i wonder how much they pay their freelancers uh if they're if they're willing to say like hey if this if this page gets a million things a million clicks uh because like like that's there's a lot of great writers out there. There's a lot of great writers who are freelancers, and they and they bounce from place to place, uh, or they work at multiple places at once. And it makes me think that, you know, if uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin, uh, <laughs> the one person I can think of, uh, I, I was watching CNBC this morning. If Andrew Ross Sorkin wrote something for the New York Times, and then he writes something because he writes the Deal Book for the New York Times, but then if he writes something for, uh, 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 for the Atlantic, you know, and it uh, you know, or Dave Grohl guests writes a, a post for a post, an essay for the Atlantic uh, about his uh, mom and how she helped him uh, and believed in him when uh, when he was starting out as a musician, uh, and that gets a million views. Does do they get money on the back end? Speaking of points, uh, that this makes me think. This next one comes from the rap written by Lindsay Elfson. 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 Okay. So this is a very interesting piece that I found not an hour ago. Collider updates Scarlett Johansson's story after being called out by freelancers. So here is the thing. A young woman named uh, Sade Spence wrote, is, speaking of freelancers, wrote an article uh, that was posted that, that had, back in 2019. Uh, okay. Just slow down here. When you are a reporter for a big uh, conglomerate like Collider or IGN or The Wrap or Variety or whomever, when you're a reporter, sometimes you go to these press events where you interview uh, in press events for like a big movie. And you go and you interview, uh, you know, the famous star of the movie. So... Interstellar is being made. I don't know why I thought of Interstellar. No, really, I thought of Ad Astra, and then I said, no, 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 that's not big enough. Interstellar. Interstellar's being made, and it's shooting in, I don't know, Iceland, or Greenland. It's shooting in Greenland, because there's snow everywhere, It's in one of the things. 
uh, it's shooting in, in Greenland and you and 40 other people from 40 different outlets go and you're putting this you know this hotel and you're sitting across from Matthew McConaughey and you have three minutes or five minutes uh, to uh, get to ask him you know uh, only questions about the movie and nothing else because that's all you have time for hey Matt how you doing I'm good and he's got to sit there and do that for four hours in like one day and with no breaks or anything hey Matthew how you doing oh I'm good all right I'm all right all right all right that's what he says and he does all right all right all right and he um and you ask him, oh, how's Interstellar? Can you tell us what does your character think of what's going on in the political climate now? Or what would your character say to space traveling with SpaceX uh, or uh, Blue Origin or whatever? You know, so they'll ask him stupid questions like that. Uh, and uh, that's what I try to avoid. Uh, not that I've been asked, but that's what I try to avoid. And so uh, Ms. Spencer the freelancer for Collider went and, and did this for Black Widow back in 2019 where she spoke to, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Everyone's favorite Asian and trans actress, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> she said that, not me. During her trip, she only she flew overseas for 24 hours. Like That's how quick these things are. During her trip, she asked... Scarlet, a question. Here's a question. Quote, there's this hypersexualization of female superheroes and even Black Widow. Not, uh, not Wonder Woman. I don't know if she's ever seen Wonder Woman. I've never felt attracted to Wonder Woman. I'm very attracted to Gal Gadot. I'm not, I've never felt attracted to Wonder Woman. Have you seen this change and how will this be different in the standalone film? Then she and all the reporters present that day. Oh, present. That day. <laughs> Jesus, Chad. Then she the reporters present that day waited two years to publish the answers to get their questions back, respecting an embargo that was lifted this week. Collider, I'm going to read this uh, the only way that I understood. Collider ran a story, because I understand English. Collider ran a story that failed to mention Johansson had spoken to an assembled group of reporters. So it made it seem like their person, who was Miss Spencer in that case, got an exclusive interview with Scarlett. They changed it into the layout instead of it being, you know, uh, Scarlett said this to the reporter, Scarlett said this. They changed it to Q&A, which it was not. Again, it was a group of reporters. When Biden talks to the press corps, he's not talking to one person, even though he yelled at Caitlin Collins, <laughs> which uh, she deserved it. She's a woman. Uh, I'm kidding. It was a joke. Uh, but um, she's my age. And... Uh, <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> I just re- I'm recording a podcast for no one, and she's talking to the world. <laughs> that was so sad. And they made it look like it was a, a one-on-one. So that, so you can't do that. A, that's bad. B, that's unethical. Maybe switch those around. B, that's unethical. A, that's bad. <laughs> Johansson's response to Spence's question ended up being used for the Collider headline. Then the Hollywood Reporter picked up Johansson's response, attributing that question that prompted uh, that prompted it back to that's what that's bad. The Hollywood Reporter said that the Collider said it. Then Ms. Spence took to Twitter and said, uh, "Excuse me, <laughs> I wrote this." She wrote, quote, on Twitter, 
We may have been in a group setting, but it wasn't Collider who asked this question. It was me for the female empower outlet. Oh, hello, beautiful. So I even mis misunderstood. Okay, Miss Spence was not a freelancer for Collider. She was a freelancer for something else. For Hello Beautiful. So then, Collider's editor-in-chief said, you may not like this answer, but as someone who's been doing this for 15 years, bad, do not do that. And done hundreds of roundtable interviews, who gives a crap? When you do a group interview on a set visit, every uh, every question and answer is shared by their all reports on the visit. Nothing is credited to one outlet. That's wrong. <laughs> That's wrong. Because uh, you can even see it back if you watch a lot of news, uh, which you should not do. But you can even see it back when uh, when Biden first took office and uh, and uh, everybody was talking to Jen, Jen Psaki for the first time. Uh, or, or even when Trump was still in, in still in office. And you can see him getting mad at like very specific, like I'm mad at CNN, I'm mad at NPR. Uh, he was he would say you guys are always bullying me whenever like, whenever Washington Post or uh, New York Times or Wall Street Journal whenever one of those outlets was talking about that incident they would always say this person from this outlet asked this question this is and so this is what I, I, I this is, and this is also an issue I had at um, at news station because there was always this like as even as something as small as like uh, uh, I don't know. A, uh, small but like a, a tree a tree landing in the middle of the road and and uh or no 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 or like you know like the mayor saying i don't like cheese grits this is not a true story but i don't like cheese grits and a reporter from wsb being in the area and hearing that and then them writing up a story and then the other th uh, two news stations or three news stations go uh trying to find you know they have to they can't say like hey this was on, originally on wsb no we have to go out and we have to call and say uh the assistant to the mayor and go does he really not like cheese grits <laughs> that's just stupid there was so this, this is not a we thing she asked that question so she should get the attribution because uh it's hers and she was smart enough to ask that question but so now collider had to go back and uh tweak the story Even if she doesn't get attribution, they can say it's a group interview, and that that's fine. That's good enough. Anyway, all right, that was way too long uh, to put a button on that. Uh, just uh, women, women uh, have it a little bit tougher when it comes because if um, uh, uh, I don't know Walter Cronkite asked that question, then <laughs> it would have been headline news. But women have it tougher, and uh, and especially in the media, uh, when compared to their male counterparts. All right, this is the final thing written by Mike Ryan over at Uproxx. Seth Meyers is finally hosting the late night he wants, but will he keep things the way they are? So Mike Ryan did the one thing that I've been wanting. Well, one thing he he did the one thing I've been wanting to do with the late night show. Since this pandemic, since they be since they started shooting back in the uh, in the studio, so if and I'll I'll probably dig into this next week because uh, next week's episode is probably going to be about Conan because this is last time on TBS show is what I'm going to say. But uh, if 
if you've been watching Late Night for the past, you know, 15 months, you see that Seth has really turned the show from uh, what from what generally a broadcast late night show is. If you watch Jimmy, you'll see that, you know, even even when he was at home, it was still we got to hit these beats, we got to hit these viral beats, and uh, and this is what we're going to do. We're not going to deviate from the kind of jokes we tell. Uh, even if even when he brought in his 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 family. Which is which is good enough, you know. Which is good for Jimmy. Which is yeah, same. Uh, and same thing can go for Kimmel, Corden, uh, Colbert, Conan, and Samantha B, Decent Samiro, and Amber Ruffin. <laughs> Not Amber Ruffin. She's different too. But Seth, for the past, I would say, oh boy, when he went to his in-laws' house, so maybe a year. So after those initial months when he was shooting in the attic, but then for like the for a very long time he's been doing this show that is for comedy writers, that's for people who just enjoy just pure comedy, and it's it's been uh, a lot of inside jokes, a lot of recurring jokes from the past three or four months, a lot of story arcs, and it's it's just it's wonderful and. And Mike Ryan and, the, and maybe, you know, 300,000 people on YouTube who consistently watch not just A Closer Look, but also the monologues and also the uh, extra bits that they do. And uh, this new online digital exclusive, I guess is what they're calling it, it's called Corrections. And it's 20 minutes of Seth doing corrections on the previous shows for that week saying... Uh, I pronounce a word long, wrong, and he goes on a five-minute tangent of why he's right of pronouncing that word wrong, and it's great. It's so funny. So I urge you to watch more late night. But Mike Ryan has like clued in on this, cued in, cued in. He's zoomed in, and he's he's and he's gotten a chance to talk to uh, producer Mike Shoemaker and uh, host Seth Meyers after uh, I believe last week uh, to talk about this, and he's basically. This is like a this is a back and forth Q and A interview, saying you need to keep this show the way it is right now because without an audience, Seth is and his writers, including Amber Ruffin, Jenny Hagel, and uh, uh, Scollins and the rest of the Wally the cue card guy, they are thriving. It is so good, and I and I'll get more into this next week. But God bless it, this show is my favorite late night show to watch right now. Uh, Watching Colbert when he came back, uh, that the first couple episodes, I just I can't even get it. I can't get through the monologue because all it is is just clapping. Same thing for Conan. I love Conan. He's my like hands down. I don't like to I don't like to say uh, I idolize people, but if he was he's de- if I did say that, he's definitely my idol, like my number one guy. Uh, and it's uh, that show started. His show start. He started hosting late night when I was born, the same year I was born, like three months before I was born. No, no, no. Three months after. Three months after. Excuse me. I'm born in June. <laughs> July, August, September. Yep, three months. Uh, and so I love Conan to death. But uh, his show on TBS, and I'll, I'll get into this next week, uh, just straight downhill. Um, so And so Seth's been doing this wonderful show full of callbacks and tangents and, and non sequiturs. And it's just been so good. It really pays to watch that show every single night because he'll reference something from like three weeks ago, and I love it. I love it. Uh, and and they talk about you know the how how the how the tide changed because there was no audience. 
and and because there's only there's ten people uh, inside of the studio, uh, I don't know what this is. Oh Jesus! Oh my God! Oh, interesting. Okay, something good finally happened. <laughs> I should stop checking emails in the middle of the class. In the middle of class. Oh God! <laughs> Podcasting is school. That's the title of the episode. I'm kidding. But I. Uh, but truly, it's it's been so good, and it's it's been so wonderful to to just see these great people. And I mean, an extension of that, and I promise I'll end the show in a second. Uh, but an extension of that, the Amber Ruffin show, which shoots in the same studio as Late Night with Seth Meyers, uh, and, and it's hosted by one of his writers. And it's also written by another one of his writers. I mean, just the fact that the that it's it's amazing. It's amazing, and um, they're doing they're doing things that I can officially I can officially truly say that no one in late night is doing. No one in late night is doing what Seth is doing. Uh, but similarly, you know, and I'll and I'll, and I'll tie this I'll tie this up with that uh, with this. Uh, no one's doing what Sam is doing, uh, Sam B. Uh, no one is doing what Z-Way is doing, Desus and Miro. So uh, congrats to all of them as well. There's no one in Late Night I dislike. I just don't like audiences. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, everyone has something that I that I enjoy. Uh, and and I, uh, yeah. All right, listen, I, got, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. It's, very, it's late on a Friday. By late, I mean it's four o'clock. <laughs> But listen, if you like what you heard here, head to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where you can see me talk to people. Uh, next week, there was an interview I recorded last week, and I just I just didn't put it out this week because uh, uh, I, didn't want to, I didn't want too much to go up at once. Uh, i got to spread this stuff out. Because, uh, it was with Shelby Wolstein, I believe that's her name. I don't know. I should look it up. <laughs> yeah, Shelby Wolstein. <laughs> Shelby Wolstein, nice young woman that hosts a podcast. We'll, uh, we'll talk about this next week, but uh, she's very funny. Uh, hosts a podcast on HeadGum Network. Hosts a podcast on HeadGum Network. Um, so definitely be on the lookout for that. That'll probably be up next Wednesday or Thursday. I'm thinking Wednesday. Maybe Thursday. The rate I work. Um, you want to see a video version of the show? YouTube.com slash C plus comedy. Where you can see me I sit down in front of the camera. <laughs> Also, on YouTube.com slash equals comedy, you can see, uh, does he comedy? Comedy. Hey, hey, it's Peter Griffin. It's not even close. This, I'm, this shirt is so sweaty I'm wearing. Because I walked down to get this cat food, and I drenched, drenched. And it's, it's like a five minute, it's not even five minutes, it's like a three minute walk. Just wet. And I came back. And then I said, I got to do this podcast. News time. News time is our uh, premiere news, uh, premiere show. It's, it's, I'm getting tired. <laughs> I got to, I'll get to, I, I always, you know, I said, I said uh, to myself, I'll get to 400, then I'll stop. And 400 will be next year. But I don't even know if I can make it to <laughs> Oh no! I'll get to, I'll get to I want to get to five hundred. That's the goal. And uh, if nobody's watching by five hundred, then uh, <laughs> I don't know what I want to do. News time. It's like the Daily Show, except less funny. 
Daily Show is going off the air until September. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, Daily Show is funny. <laughs> this week, it is, uh, I take a topic and I dive into it this week. This week's episode is about, oh, I was going to do an episode about, uh, a topic about E3, but whatever, it's 45 minutes long. Uh, this week's episode is about E3 and uh, not very good E3, not very good video. But it, it talks about how E3 wants to rebrand itself. So there's that. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at C Plus Comedy. Rate, review this podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about it, please. God, please tell your friends. All right, we're going away. Bye-bye. Oh, didn't start yet. <laughs>